We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, January the 14th, 2021. On today's show, Tracy Rocker has bolted for Auburn. Gamecocks picking up a big commitment in Jordan Strawn, the Georgia State transfer. Also, we've got news and notes as baseball season is on. The South Carolina Clemson series is set. We've also got a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks long snapper and holder Ike Crowfoot joins the show. Great conversation with Ike, guys. we got a packed show here on a Thursday. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention to their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service, guys. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, you can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, to answer any questions you have, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, it's that time of the year when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's officially time for the NFL playoffs. Guys, you've waited. You've watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, but now it's your turn to win big. Guys, you've heard the name just about everywhere, MyBookie. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college ball, check, check, and check, MMA and soccer, they've got all the latest odds. Period. Guys, take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. You can visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched up halfway up to $1,000 by just using the promo code GAMECOCKS. That's promo code GAMECOCKS when you make your first deposit, guys. And the best part is this. They make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Guys, whether you're at home or on the go, your laptop, your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid, guys. Bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. Let's get it. Stole our coaches. They're trying to steal our recruits. Next thing you know, they're going to steal our uniforms, our fight song. Hey, do you want to play in our stadium as well? You guys know I'm talking about the Auburn Tigers. Hey there, hope you're doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're at home the day off, whatever it may be, or you're on vacation like yours truly. I hope you're all doing well. By the time you guys are hearing this, I'm probably going to either going to be on the road to Orlando or 
in Orlando or maybe at the theme parks. I might be on a ride. You never know. It's kind of crazy. But again, the show rolls on. We got a lot to talk about and a lot to dive into here on a Thursday, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, really, really excited to chat with you guys here today on a Thursday. And I'm recording this a little bit later in the day than I normally do here on this Wednesday afternoon for a couple of different reasons. Number one, had to come home because obviously, like I said, we are heading down to Florida actually this morning. You guys are hearing this morning. Uh, we're leaving at 5 a.m. So had to come home, obviously came home to the, uh, the, the parents' house and we're all taking a family vacation, all that good stuff. But I'm also really, really glad I waited later in the day. And I'm going to tell you guys why, because, you know, it's so funny. Obviously, I go, you know, week to week, even day to day sometimes thinking about, hey, what's the content going to be? What's the podcast going to be about? What are the topics going to be, right? Like you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, we got a game this day, we got a game that day. And you know, obviously with the lull in basketball due to COVID, we haven't had nearly as much basketball to talk about. But of course, Shane Beamer, his coaching staff and Carolina football as a whole, there's never a dull moment. And the drama has followed this group. I mean, this is better. You, you can't get this kind of reality show on television. It's insane. And I'm sitting there this morning. I woke up pretty early Wednesday morning, and I'm putting everything together for the show and the clips and everything and getting ready to go just a, a, another day, right? Another day on the grind. And I just remember sitting there thinking to myself, and I'm like, I'm like looking at my calendar. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. And in my head, I was like, you know what? Something's going to come up. Like something's going to happen today. I already know it. Something is going to happen. When's the last time we had a day where nothing happened or it was a quiet day? Uh, on the beat, if you will, whatever. You know what I mean? I was like, when, when's the last time we had a quiet day? Sure enough, I don't think even 30 minutes later, I get a text. Dang, man, Tracy Rocker too? And I'm like, wait, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm seeing he's probably leaving. I'm seeing he might be going to Auburn. I get on social media, and of course, shit has hit the fan. And this is not, I don't think this is even two full days after Tracy Rocker changed his profile picture on his Twitter to the South Carolina graphic that the media team made for him and all the assistant coaches. Now, again, I've had time. It's later in the day, and I've had time to process this, and I'm not quite as upset and disgusted and irritated as I was way earlier in the day, obviously in the morning, but even when we did the Daily Crow. But... Um, Man, I, you know, first things first, did we hurt Auburn that bad during the 2020 season where they felt like, you know what, they beat us this year, we're just going to go take all their coaches. And also, Brian Harson, the new coach in Auburn, what is this obsession with taking coaches from a staff that went 2-8? and eight? What is the obsession there? Because, <laughs> like, I mean, here's the thing. On one hand, it's, like, annoying because – you know, and, and we'll get into more so the sequence of events and some of the rumors that have floated around with this in just a second. But it, it's annoying just because it's happening, and you're trying to, you know, if you're you're South Carolina fans have been on edge as it is with this coaching staff search and getting these coordinators in place and getting these assistants in place, and we all know what's on the line in regards to recruiting and signing days coming up. And I totally understand Gamecock fans being a little bit antsy at this point. But on the other hand, as much as it's annoying, it's almost more like laughable. Like it's like. Dude, these are two and eight football coaches that you're taking. Like they were on this roster. They were on this staff, I should say, last season. They're two and eight coaches. What is the, if I'm an Auburn fan right now, I am losing my mind watching all of this unfold. But going back to the sequence of events, you know, we, we saw and heard on social media that Tracy Rocker just up and left, packed his stuff and left. A couple hours later, it was rumored that maybe he and Beamer had conversations late Tuesday night and that he dipped out Wednesday morning. I will say this leading off, because again, I'm trying my best not to draw a conclusion as to what happened, because I know my feelings towards Rocker if the first part I said is true, that he just dipped out and didn't say a word. I mean, we're talking about a grown-ass man, y'all. That's a grown man. Nobody else, and I know you listening, if you presented that situation to anybody else in their line of work, nobody could fathom 
somebody doing that, especially when you're being paid as much as these guys are, not even having the common courtesy to tell someone, hey, I'm taking this other opportunity. As much as it sucks and as much as I still look like a scumbag, especially when I'm following Mike Bobo and Will Friend there, you know, I I really want to hope he didn't do that. I really want to hope he didn't because, man, that's a bad look. That is a slime ball. That was the phrase I used this morning. Slime ball. But either way, even if he didn't, even if he told Shane Beamer, again, it's another coach following suit with what Bobo and Friend did. You sign your contract. You get your contract approved with the Board of Trustees. And you look a man in the eye and tell him, hey, I'm with you. I'm behind you. I support you. I'm here. I want to be here. You look him in the eye and you shake his hand and you tell him that. And then you dip. And then you dip. And, you know, this, going back to what I said, the second Will Muschamp got fired and the coaching search began. This is why I said at that point that, again, hypothetically, if it were me or if I had my call in this or my preference, that if it was me, I would have cleaned house. I would not have retained a single coach on that staff. And again, I talked about this last week after the whole Mike Bobo, Will Friend shenanigans. I said it last week. And again, I I do not condone Shane Beamer for having professional sit-down conversations with these gentlemen, with these people. And, you know, after his evaluation, if he felt like that guy was going to be an asset to his program and he felt like he had a productive conversation and he felt like it was a good idea to bring him back, I'm not knocking Shane Beamer for thinking that. All he can do is use his best judgment. But I think this is probably a learning experience for Shane Beamer. I really do. Because I just feel like, again, I would have completely cleaned house. Again, I told you guys, as harsh as it may sound, from the top down, I would have gotten rid of everybody. The strength staff, the the, uh, recruiting staff, the training staff. I would have gotten rid of them all, every single assistant coach. Because when you're trying to incorporate a new standard and a new culture, and you're trying to wipe the slate clean, it's really, really hard, in my opinion, to do so when you have leftover cancer cells. Because that's what they are at the end of the day, right? When you're trying to incorporate a new way of thinking and you know, a new way of doing things and just a entire, an entirely new mindset, it's hard to to do that when you have these guys left over that, that they're used to their way of doing things, their way of thinking, their way of operating, the culture that Will Muschamp put them under. But again, I don't I don't hold it against Shane Beamer for keeping these guys on staff. And, and I think the people that, you know, I haven't seen many of them, obviously, but I had a couple text me even that said that, oh, man, this is such a bad look on Shane Beamer. He can't keep his staff together. How in the world is this on Shane Beamer? The only area of blame I place on Shane Beamer is for putting his his faith into scumbags. But again, he I mean, how is he supposed to know? He's he's learning a valuable lesson, I think. And honestly, Tracy Rocker dipping out to Auburn is addition by subtraction if you ask me. People were furious. Some people were furious when I did my assistant coach's grades and I gave him a C+. Plus. Some people were furious, and now, oh, he sucked anyways. Our D line was terrible. It's just so funny to see those same people. I'm like, I thought you was so. I thought you thought he was so great. I didn't think Rocker was all that great. I, I thought Zach Pickens massively underachieved. Yeah, JJ Nigbari had a good year, but I mean, outside of that, we had some guys have some okay seasons. But the one guy that I was looking for for a, for a breakout season didn't happen, and I just thought he did an okay job. Like as good as I thought that front seven should have been. I thought it was a very average job by Rocker. So, you know, again, it comes back to it. I might just start. I might change this to the name of my show, the All We Got is All We Need show. I don't know. Because I feel like I say that every day. All we got is all we need. Bottom line, end of the day. That's it. 
And again, it's a blessing for South Carolina because, hey, that guy obviously didn't want to be in Columbia. He didn't want to be a Gamecock. He didn't want to help build this thing with Shane Beamer. So we wish him best of luck on his way. I mean, again, I think it's kind of baffling from the Auburn side of things. They're putting they're putting that much stock and value in these dudes that are coming from a two and eight coaching staff. That's that's just mind blowing to me. I I really I don't fathom. I I don't comprehend that at all. <laughs> I don't comprehend that at all. Um. But yeah, again, that that's why I said, like I said, I, I would have cleaned house. And, and I'm not saying like because I know a lot of people are like, well, Chris, what about Des Kitchings? What about Mike Peterson? Listen, you look at Des Kitchings' background. He's a Furman guy. And so I think it's a little bit different with Kitchings that he actually has tests. You know, Auburn is Tracy Rocker's uh, alma mater. You know, Bobo was a Georgia guy, as we all know. Will Friend's a Bama guy. You know, I think Des Kitchings being a Furman guy and coaching at NC State, I, I think it's a little bit different. But, hey, I, I wouldn't have had any problem if Beamer wanted to get him out, too. I wouldn't. I don't give a damn. I mean, if I'm Shane Beamer right now, I'm having a very, very open and honest conversation with Des Kitchings. Like, hey, man, if you want to go, just go. If you want to be here, cool. But if you want to go, just go. Whatever. All we got is all we need. That's it. Bottom line. We'll roll with the guys. And I said it Wednesday morning. To hell with them. That's really how I feel about Tracy Rocker, Mike Bobo, Will Friend, Will Muschamp. To hell with them. All I need and all I want are 10 coaches, 10 coaches, and 22 players that take pride in wearing the garnet and black. And we'll go to battle. We'll go to war every Saturday. I don't care if we lose every game. Let's go to war with those guys. Let's start out. Let's just start there. Let's go to war with 10 coaches and 22 players that want to go to battle for the University of South Carolina week in, week out. And you know what? If we lose every game, so be it. But, damn it, at least we're going to do it with some honor and pride and integrity. I mean, golly. You know? Hey, if I'm going to bleed, I want to bleed with my brother. Bottom line. So, you know, again, I, I think, though, for South Carolina, this is a good thing. It's a positive. I really think it's a positive. You get somebody out there that you know wasn't a Gamecock. South Carolina was just another stop for him. Didn't really matter. Um, and now you know you have the opportunity because now we look ahead, right? Potential potential candidates. Who's going to be the defensive line coach now? And I think there are a lot of former Gamecocks two that jump out to me immediately. That would be a great fit and would love, and I mean love to be at the University of South Carolina. The two names that jump out, jump out to me are Cliff Matthews, who's currently the head defensive line coach at uh, excuse me Limestone, and Travian Robertson, who is the defensive line coach at Georgia State, which we're about to talk about Georgia State in just a second because the Gamecocks just picked up a big-time defensive piece from there. But again, there will be other candidates for sure, but I mean, I just think this is the perfect opportunity. Again, you've, you've brought Eric Kimry on staff. You, you've brought Byron Gerardo back home. Why not? I mean, there, there's guys, you know, for both lines of scrimmages. Uh, give me Travell Wharton as O-line coach and Travian Robertson as D-line coach. I, nothing would make me happier, you know? Because I, I just don't understand why you give a guy like a Tracy Rocker an Auburn alum an opportunity. Why you give a guy like Joe Cox a Georgia alum an opportunity. Why you give a guy like Mike Bobo a Georgia alum, Will Muschamp a Georgia alum. Dude, let's plug and play with our dudes. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Why not? You talk about wanting to have guys that want to be there. They want to be in the building. They, they're going to take pride in the block C. Look no further than guys like that. And I've heard some other names as well. I've heard the, uh, the defensive line coach from Western Kentucky. That might be a name. So, you know, again, this is something that, hey, listen, you, you, we, we, we might know by the time you guys hear this show who the next D-line coach is. But the way news has been dropping with Shane Beamer, shoot, we might already know. But, uh no, listen, there are plenty of good options out there. South Carolina will be totally fine. It's not like you're losing to me, That you know, at least in my opinion. It's not like you're losing some elite coach. You know, Tracy Rock or whatever is what it is. Um, boy, we owe Auburn an ass cutting. No, I'll tell you that. We owe Auburn the ass cutting of all ass cuttings. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what – I'm more so – again, I'm more so thinking I don't know what Auburn's thinking. I mean – <laughs> I mean, I'm not that upset. You want all of our two and eight coaches? You can take them. I mean, have them. Take them all. 
Don't matter to me. Hey, I'm good with that. If I'm an Auburn fan, I'm just ripping my hair out. I have no clue what's going on. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and Carolina moves on. And like I said, there's plenty of good candidates out there. I, I think South Carolina will be fine. I don't think there's any reason for a Gamecock fan to, to hit the panic button by any means. Or, again, like I said, I had some people text me, like, oh, this, is, this looks so bad on Beamer. He can't keep a staff together. Like, what are you talking about? How, how is this on Beamer? This is, in no way is this on Beamer. All he can do is all he can do is interview the guys, judge them as best he can, make a decision. But again, I think he probably has learned a valuable lesson through all this that again, when you're trying to change the culture and especially when things got as toxic and as as cancerous as they got towards the end, that's why again I said guys, I, I would just just wipe the whole slate clean. I, I just think it's really, really hard to completely flip the culture and have a new mindset, a new way of doing things and a new way of thinking and retain people from the previous staff. Cause you know, they're going to feel some type of way about the whole situation. How could they not, you know, if they came to South Carolina because of must champ and he gets fired, how are they not going to feel some type of way? How are they not going to be in it for themselves? You know what I mean? So again, I think this is addition by subtraction. I think South Carolina will be fine. Again, if if you're telling me if we let's just say we hypothetically hire Travian Robertson, I, I that's a that's a home run trade of the century. I, I'll be more than happy with that. But again, to hell with Tracy Rocker, to hell with Bobo, to hell with Friend, to hell with Muschamp, to hell with all of them, to hell with Auburn. I can't wait till South Carolina plays Auburn this fall. It's going to be a blast. Going to be a blast. <laughs> again, all right. Let's move into. It's so funny because South Carolina has been losing these coaches, defensive coaches, blah, blah, blah. We just continue to reel in defensive commitments. And I heard his name pronounced this way. So if you think if you think to yourself, Chris, what are you talking about? I heard his name pronounced this way like seven different times by announcers. But Jordan Strawn, that's how they said it. Jordan Strawn committing to South Carolina, Georgia State transfer, uh, stands 6'4", 225. The big headline with this kid, tied for the lead in sacks in college football in 2020, 10 and a half sacks is what this kid registered uh, on the 2020 season. He was 2020 All-Sun Belt Conference third team. He was Defensive Player of the Week, uh, November 2nd, 2020. Yeah, led the nation in sacks in 2020. uh, Missed the 2019 season with a knee injury. So he actually joined their team as a freshman walk-on in 2017. So tied for first in FBS with a Georgia State record 10.5 sacks. Set a school record for 14 tackles for loss. Tied for the Sun Belt lead with two fumble recoveries and second with three forced fumbles. Part of a Georgia State defense set a record school record for 35 sacks and was no- a nominee for the Burlsworth Trophy. Really, really good pickup for Shane Beamer coming. You know, guys, I was watching this film. You know who this guy kind of reminds me of? Because he's listed as a linebacker, played a lot off the end. I think that's a great thing for South Carolina. This kid is extremely athletic. He can put his hand in the dirt. He can play a lot of different techniques for you. He can rush on the outside, on the inside, whatever. He, he can drop back into coverage if you need very versatile player. Again, 6'4", 225. Is he maybe a little undersized to be a linebacker in the SEC? And again, I think he could put this weight on if they really wanted to move in there. But I think in this Clayton White four-two-five scheme, and it's going to be an aggressive attacking scheme, as White said in his media availability. You know, you want guys like Jordan Strawn out there for you that are just pure athletes, pure pass rushers, guys that can get after the quarterback. Because again, we all know the, as of right now, at least, the deficiencies that you have in the secondary. So the more athletes you can get getting after the quarterback, the more it's going to help the rest of your defense. And the guy that he sort of reminds me of, I don't know if he's quite as tall. Um, Let me see. I don't know if he's quite as tall as this guy was. But who he reminds me of that played at South Carolina about five years ago. Okay, so he's about the same size then. He's a little shorter, but he reminds me of Darius English. Do you guys remember that name? Played at South Carolina from 2012 to 2016. Um, In 2016, Darius English was named second team All-SEC. 
he had he had nine sacks that season. Built very, very similarly, though. When, when I watch this kid on film, I think he's built very similar. The other thing is this. He's got a knack for the football. This guy really has a knack for the football. Now, the big question, of course, will be this. How does his game adjust from the Sun Belt to the SEC? Because it's, it's going to be a step up in competition. There's no question, right? We all know that. It's, it's no secret. But it's obvious this kid's got – and the thing you love about him on film, he's got a motor. The, the kid doesn't quit. He's got a motor. There's a couple of plays I saw where he's kind of beat, if you will. Quarterback takes off. He's chasing the dude down. He's the one making the play. He's the one batting the ball away. Um, really excited. I, I mean, I'm really excited how he fits into Clayton White's scheme and, again, how, how he fits in that 4-2-5 scheme. Uh, again, I think they're going to be really, really aggressive, obviously, getting after the quarterback. And, and, and Jordan Strong's going to be one of those guys for you. That can do it. Again, anytime you're adding the nation's sack, I don't care where he played. I don't care what level it was at. Bro, 10 and a half sacks is 10 and a half sacks. Like, and the dude is lightning fast off the edge. So, giving South Carolina that true pass threat off the edge and complimenting JJ and Ibari already what he's doing, and you add in a Jordan Birch, and you add in some other guys on the outside, I. I'm starting to really like the guys that you have up front again for South Carolina. I really am. So, Georgia Strahd coming from Georgia State. I think a really, really good pickup for Shane Beamer and company. Really excited to see him get on the field. Um, before we wrap up and get to our listener questions and uh, our interview, one quick note and something that I am very, very excited to talk about is this. Baseball season is officially on let's freaking go it was announced on wednesday afternoon the sec's ad's all got together and voted uh they've approved a normal baseball season structure for the spring no change to the conference schedule uh ad's also voted to increase the sec travel roster from 27 to 30 which i think is very smart and also let me not forget this also where is it? 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 Where? Is it? Where I, why am I not finding this tweet? I should have saved this tweet. Here we go. Here we go. The SEC's plan for a status quo schedule, 10 conference weekends, a three-game series, up to 16, or excuse me, 26 non-conference games has been approved. The 2021 matchups, here's an interesting scheduling uh, thing for you. The 2021 matchups will be the same as the 2020 schedule, both opponents and sites. So literally look at the 2020 schedule. I don't know if it'll be the same order, but you're going to be playing the same people at the same places. So I just know off the top of my head, bro, I can't wait to go to Athens and go to Foley Field and watch Carolina take on Georgia. Um, another really interesting scheduling note. So opening day is going to be February the 19th. South Carolina Clemson, that series is officially set. Clemson releasing their baseball schedule for the season. And the SEC, by the way, is set to release their schedule with literally any moment, basically in the next 24 to 48 hours, they're going to drop that schedule. Um, but what's really interesting about that series, and again, I think it's the best rivalry in all college baseball. I know you guys would probably agree. And obviously that's, that's one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. Um, that is the second weekend of the season now, which normally that's, I think at earliest the third, you know, maybe, maybe the third or fourth, but the second weekend of the season, February the 26th, the Gamecocks will go to Clemson. February the 27th, the game will be in Greenville. Remember that game going back and forth between Columbia and Greenville this year? It's in Greenville at Floor Field. And then that Sunday game, the rubber match, February the 28th, or hopefully the Gamecocks are going for the sweep, that game will be February the 28th in Columbia at Founders Park. So we're going to learn a lot about this Gamecocks baseball team early in the season. That'll be a really, really pivotal series uh, for both of those teams. But really, really excited. Again, baseball's on the horizon. And the fact that we're having – a normal season, which I think was the right call. There was no reason not to have a normal season um, with the non-conference. And the idea that they had before of a, a four-game conference weekend, I, I just thought was was silly. I thought it was just really, really silly. So, again, really excited for baseball. You know what else, else I'm excited for, guys? Just on that note, baseball content preview, baseball season preview content starts next week. That's exciting. If you're a baseball person – that should fire you up because I know I'm freaking fired up to start talking some baseball. So, all right, let's dive in your listener questions. We'll get this interview. Leo yo underscore who's hated more in Cola must champ or Bobo. 
I still got to go with Muschamp. I, I know people are going to say Bobo, but dude, Muschamp's the reason Bobo was there. So I'm going to go with Muschamp. Austin G underscore 45, depending on who else we get, which receiver are you most excited to see play next year? And it's depending on who else we get. And I, I don't really know who else South kind of might get. Um, again, I've talked about it a lot. I'm excited to see out of the group of Rico Powers, Jakari Caldwell, and Mike Wyman, which one of those guys steps up. Because again, I, I just refuse to believe that all three of them were duds. And, you know, they, they did nothing last year, obviously. But under this new coaching staff, this new regime, uh, which one of those guys kind of emerges? I, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see that. Jay Painter 71 Rocker really posted hashtag new profile pick with SC stuff and left on the same day. Well, it was about a day later, but yeah, that, that's just wild. I mean, because he had to know, right? He had to know at that point, like, yeah, I'm about to dip. I mean, come on. It, there's no way that happened in a day span. He had to know. So I don't know. It's your Bryce says, well, the shit we're going through. Do you ever think we'll make the college football playoff? I'm going to be optimistic and say, yes, I think one day we'll get there. So I think one day we'll get there. Um, all right. That's all the listener questions. Cool. Cool. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate that. Appreciate the, uh, the questions. Thank you guys always so much for being engaging and, and, and making this a lot of fun. Really? Seriously. Uh, the questions you guys leave and tuning in the daily crow every single day and being engaging and, and the back and forth and the banter, man, it, it, it makes this a blast. Cause the last thing I want to do is just ramble to myself. Um, so you guys, you guys make that really enjoyable. We've also got a really enjoyable interview for you guys. Don't go anywhere. Former Gamecocks long snapper and holder, Ike Crowfoot, joined me for a conversation. Join me. Sorry about that. Join me for a conversation. Ike Crowfoot, fantastic dude, fantastic conversation. If you guys don't remember, Ike Crowfoot was in on some of the biggest plays, I'd probably say in Gamecock history. Um, 2005, he held the kick that Josh Brown kicked through the uprights in Knoxville to beat Tennessee for the first time in Neyland ever. He held the kick that Ryan Suckup booted through the uh, the uprights at Clemson in 2006 to put South Carolina ahead to eventually win that game 31 to 28. Heck, he was even the one holding in 06 in Gainesville when Jarvis Moss blocked the kick, and he's the one that brought that up. And it, it honestly about made me shed a tear. But you know, we talked about that much, much more. His relationship with Spurrier, um, playing for Holt Spurrier, all that good stuff. We we talked about a ton of stuff. But overall, Ike Crowfoot, just a phenomenal dude, man. A, a great, great guy. Um, And I know you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. So, again, guys, thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Now, enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks football player Ike Crowfoot. All right, joining us on Spurs Up Show, a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2003 to 2006, was part of some of the Gamecocks teams under Steve Spurrier. Y'all remember to do things that had never been accomplished at South Carolina. Also, Held and snapped for some of the best Gamecock kickers, I would say, that ever came through Columbia. You guys know him. He was a big part of those special team units. And like I said, those first couple of Spurrier teams, especially former Gamecocks long snapper and holder Ike Crowfoot joining the show. Ike, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I have to say, I think you're probably the first long snapper I've ever had. So congratulations. There you go. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I want to go back to the beginning for you, Ike, because, again, you're a guy we were just talking off air from the state of Florida. You're from Windermere, Florida. You end up at South Carolina. Again, get there in 2003. Uh, Lou Holtz is obviously right in the middle of his his coaching career in Columbia. Just talk about what led you to South Carolina. I mean, how'd you end up in Columbia? So, yeah, so my father and and mother, my mom and dad were uh, born in South Bend, Indiana. So they spent their time in South Bend. Uh, Big Lou Holtz fans, big Notre Dame fans. Um, I'd say it was probably, uh, my dad was probably 23, 24 years old and, and uh, went to a little uh, team get together or a fundraising event there in South Bend and, and got to meet uh, Lou. And Lou actually had him sit with Skip at, uh, at the table. Actually, I think it was Skip and Urban were at the table because Urban was a receiver coach then and Skip may have been quarterback coach. Like, I, I don't know if if Skip was yet into coaching, but, um, so my dad kind of formed a connection with, uh, with Skip and, um, uh, you know, always was a Notre Dame fan. And then when they went to South Carolina, stayed South Carolina fans and, uh, you know, had the opportunity to go, to go walk on there. So it was, uh, I, I went and did some business to some Ivy league schools. I was a quarterback option quarterback at high school and uh, they gave me a chance to go up there and then kind of things fell in place once I got up to Columbia. Yeah, I was going to say, again, you get on campus fall 2003, and like we were just talking again off air, uh, you snapped all four years. You were holding, obviously. I mean, just talk about getting on campus and, I guess, 
taking the starting job? Because, uh, again, I've never had a long yeah. snapper on yeah, the show. Yeah. Like, what is that What is that competition like? Because I know it's like there's a lot of different guys that can do that, and then you have your, your specific specialists yeah. that handle that. And, I mean, it's – you know, people yeah. need to understand it's a very important position. It's not like it's just, oh, we'll just throw anybody back there. They'll snap the ball. This is – you know, a nobody – you guys you guys are a lot like offensive linemen in the sense that nobody probably even knows the long snapper's name until they mess yeah. up. I mean, I don't know if you, exactly. this is a exactly. random game, but you know, Billy Napier was one of the names floating around for the, uh, the coaching job at South Carolina and his Louisiana yeah. team played app state. And I don't know if you saw that game, but his long snapper, I think snapped yeah. three of them over the guy's head. And it's like, everybody knew who that guy was for all the wrong reasons after that night. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah, just talk about that. So I get into Columbia. Um, I, I showed up August 1st for, for camp. They had me come into camp. I was playing some, you know, probably fifth string quarterback. We had seven quarterbacks then, you know, you had uh, Don Drell was there. You had Blake that came in in that class. Savelle came in in that class. Mike Rath was there on the team. Um, so I came in, it was one night before our first game we were playing or two nights. It was a Thursday night. We were playing Louisiana Lafayette at home. And uh, Holtz asked if he, if, if anybody could be a backup deep snapper, uh, we were light on having a snapper. Scott Morgan was there. He had gone through spring ball um, and so I told him, I said, Hey, you know what? I can, I can snap. And they were all kind of like, no, you're too small. I mean, I was 185 <laughs> pounds, you know, six foot one. I mean, I'm not your traditional snapper. So I snapped for him after practice. And, uh, sure enough, Holtz told me as I was walking off the field, he's like, Hey, you're going to start on Saturday. Now keep in mind, <laughs> last game I played a high school game, small school here in Orlando. This was, I mean, I was shocked that I was going to be playing in front of all these people. So, um, you know, one thing led to another, and there I was, you know, that Saturday night against Louisiana Lafayette at home snapping. And, and, and like you said, no one knows who you are until you screw up. So it's kind of just one of those things that you have to just, hey, get it back to his hip. And uh, we started doing that. We started doing that spread punt. So mm-hmm. when I started there, we started spreading the gaps real far. Remember with Josh Brown? Yeah, was it the, was it the rugby? Down. The rugby, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a rugby kick. So – Holtz kind of started, I mean, Holtz did start that and he started it so that I could cover down the middle of the field and we could send two gunners down the outside of the field. Mm. And then you started to see some other teams around the SEC and around the country do the same because it kind of made sense if you had a, a snapper that could cover down the middle. So that's kind of how it played out to get uh, to get on the field. So that that was, so I'm curious, by the way, because you talk about the rugby kick. So that's done more so, so the snapper can get down the field, not because, because I think a lot of fans assume it's because like the punter doesn't have a great leg and you're just trying to get 40 yards of roll out of the ball. Yeah, no. So I think, I think, you know, if you, if you didn't have a guy covering down the middle of the field and you had the guys blocking on a, on a punt and just had two gunners on the outside and you tried to kick the rugby kick, if you're the returner, I think you fly up and, and try to just pick it off a bounce and you can get to the ball within, you know, 20 yards from the punter. Right. Um, I think the the benefit was is you had to protect the snapper. I, I still think you do in college football. They had to give me either five yards or give me a one full second. Right. So every time I'd walk up to the line, I'd tell the referee right there, hey, the guy's hitting me early, which really he wasn't. But he would, he would walk up, whisper in the guy's ear, hey, stay off the snapper. So then I knew I just had to make one move, and I could cover down the middle of the field, and I could stay with the ball as it was rolling. Right. And you're never going to have a return of gravity. For sure. Well, you mentioned Coach Holtz, obviously, and the relationship your father had with Lou and Skip and all those guys. What was what was the relationship like for you? Again, I'm, I'm sure it's it's interesting because each position group, each player has different relationships. And I, I know guys joke with football players about the special teamers, and you guys are kind of like your own yeah. your own specimen of people, right? Like you're, you're like you're, yeah. you're, you're doing your oh, own yeah. thing at practice. Like you're, you're kind of yeah. off. The, but what was the? Uh, well, I guess what was your first interactions like, and that overall relationship like with Lou Holtz? So you're talking about at school? Yeah, just like um, yeah, when you're when you're at Carolina, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, I mean, when you when you show up there, even if you're even if you know them from your family or you know, when you get up there and you're part of a team, you know, you're just you all of a sudden just blend in as one of the teammates. You know, I mean, I did feel like he used to call me Ike. All the players in the team call me Ike because that was my little childhood name. Um, and I guess throughout the years or the few times that I met them or seen them in Orlando. He always referred to me as Ike, but the, um, you know, I always knew, I, I, I'd say I knew him and Skip kind of always had my back from a, uh, being young, being on the team. I had no preferential treatment, but I felt like, Hey, you know, if I needed to go to somebody, um, that was like the only thing I had in Columbia that I had any connection with. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know anyone there when I showed up. 
for sure. I, I want to move to 2004 because, again, you know, Lou Holtz is last year, but you can't talk about this year without talking about that Clemson game and the bar. Yeah. I, I'm just curious yeah. to get your your take because I, I was able to talk with, you know, J- John Strickland, your former teammate's a really oh, good yeah. buddy of mine, and I was able to talk with yeah. – uh, was able to talk with Chris White a couple of weeks ago. And okay. you know, it's, it's funny. It's something that kind of – it slips your mind a bit, but then you think about the yeah. history of the rivalry in 04 that happened. I mean, where were you at during all this? I'm sure you weren't so quite in the middle of the scrum, but, uh, you know. Yeah. So, so what happened there, and this is my kind of take on what happened, is it was a third down. Mm-hmm. So, you had – we had our punt team about to go out on the field. Um, they had their punt return team about to come out on the field. Um, our offense was on the field, their defense was on the field. And if you go back and watch the kind of how that play unfolded, it was after the play, seven, eight seconds, that people started running back to where the altercation was taking place. Um, and, you know, it looks like there were so many people all of a sudden on the field. And I think it's because we as a punt team was already out there. Yeah. They were already out there. So now you had pretty much four full teams right. out there on the field. I mean, I was there. I, I will say I was – I, I stayed away. I, you know, you don't want to get into a fight with some of those kids. So, right, right. um, yeah, I got some good pictures where I've got my hands up, but I, I wasn't really going to, I wasn't going to hit anyone, you know? So, yeah. but that was, yeah, that was wild. That was probably the wildest game I'd been a part of. And then, then I'll ask you just piggybacking on that though, the actual rivalry itself and being a part of it. And again, we'll get into detail a little bit, a little bit later yeah. in the conversation, but you know, you close out your career in the rivalry beating Clemson in 06 and you had a big hand in that, which again, I want to dive into uh, a little bit and just a little bit, but just talk about overall being a part of that rivalry. And again, you close out your career and it getting a W. I know that had to be sweet for you guys. Yeah, it did. It did. You know, that's a, I got a lot of Clemson fans down here in Orlando that, um, I don't know why. There seems to be more and more Clemson fans popping up everywhere. Just as bandwagon. They, as they, the bandwagon as they, is growing. Yeah, as they win, there's just more and more in my neighborhood that are flying flags and all this stuff. So it, uh, but it was all, you know, it was great to have a chance that senior year to beat them. And, uh, you know, we struggled a few of the previous years before that. Um, and it meant a lot. You know, I didn't grow up in South Carolina. You know, my, mm. I've got some roommates that have been around, you know, one of them works for, the business and he's uh, uh Aaron Beasley he's a diehard Gamecock fan I mean I I never understood how big of a fan you could be until you go into that state and you see hey you know these people live and die I mean oh, yeah. Clemson game is the game mm. um so you know now kind of as I've moved past it you know the Florida game used to be a big game for me because I had a lot of Gator fans down here right um but just to have the chance to beat them part of that rivalry was just special and it's it's got to be in my opinion i know auburn alabama fans would say the same but mm. i think it's got to be one of the, the the best rivalries in college football well and i want to move into because you talk about being a florida boy and uh yeah. steve spurrier gets the job yeah. at south carolina and again i know you you, you talked about your dad grew up a notre dame guy and yeah. then jumped to south carolina with holtz but i'm sure there had to be some sort of connection with like yeah. the gators i mean everybody had yeah. seen in the nineties yeah. was a get was a gator or you were a knoll or cane or whatever. And I mean, you're right there in the thick of it for you personally. What were the, what were the thoughts when you heard Spurrier gotten the job and you see the press conference, you had to be thinking to yourself like, wow, this is just, yeah. coming, it's coming full circle almost a little bit. You know what it I mean? Was, yeah. That was so cool. And, and, you know, you start to hear rumors and you're thinking, man, this can't happen. You know, you're not going to be able to play <laughs> for two legendary coaches and, and have that opportunity. I mean, I went two years, holds two Spurrier. Um, but what was kind of unique was my dad had known Spurrier. Um, they played golf a few times together just down here in Orlando. And so, you know, it was kind of like another guy coming in that, you know, I had some type of connection with. Um, so he came in and that was exciting. And then Scotty, his son, yeah, was at uh, Charleston Southern. And so he had Scotty room, room with me. So he moved into our place and um, – <clears throat> So Scotty kind of grew up uh, in, at South Carolina, you know, his, his early years, my late years, he was my roommate. Um, so it was kind of fun. You know, it was fun to be a part of that family coming in and taking over and then just kind of see, uh, trying to see the change and how both coaches coach, you know, kind of their style. Now I'm curious, are the kids just like the dad is, are the spur is like the whole Spurrier, the Spurrier men, are they all cut from the same cloth or are they like a little different? I'd say they're different. I'd yeah. say they're different. You know, nobody just, can be Steve Spurrier. I mean, he's one of no, a kind. No, I mean, you know, and you kind of gotta. <laughs> I mean, his kids have done so well. You know, coaching yeah. and Spurrier Jr. and Scotty. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get uh, Spurrier's uh, personality. You know, it, it takes some time to be able to have that personality. You know, to be able to say what you want to say, <laughs> yeah. and people are like, "Oh, that's Spurrier." 
Um, so just, you know, his, uh, Scotty and Spurrier Jr. I don't think are like his dad as much in that way, but, but both, you know, hard workers and, and great people. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, too. Again, I asked about Holtz. I'll say the same thing with Spurrier. Those first interactions, it's funny because you said everybody called you Ikey. That sounds like a, a Spurrier nickname to a T right yeah. there. I mean, yeah, he, he called it. Yeah, he, he called everybody something different. Like You know what I mean? It's Yeah, he kept calling me that. I mean, he used to always pull me over. Ikey, come over here. Here's what we're going to do on the coin toss. Here's how <laughs> we're going to do this, you know. Yeah. We're going to defend this end zone. I can always remember. It's kind of like Ikey stayed with me all four years of college. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I want to ask you just again, going into that 2005 season, I mean, the buzz was incredible. Um, I, I remember I was actually at that Thursday night UCF game and just yeah. the hype around the stadium yeah. college game days there for the Thursday night national telecast. And you guys accomplished a lot of firsts that year, obviously. Uh, you know, we think of uh, beating the Florida Gators, but I want to go to beating Tennessee and Knoxville because, again, you yeah. had a major hand. And then I think what's so cool is you held for – Two really, really good kickers. I mean, two kickers yeah. that are on the all-time list at South Carolina and Josh Brown and Ryan Suckup. And oh, was oh Suckup got there? Did he get there? Oh five? Is that right? Was he a true freshman so or Suckup, six? Yeah, Suckup would have been oh five and oh six. Okay, because I remember. I think it was oh five, right? They were using Suckup specifically for like the fifty plus, and yes. then Josh Brown was everything else. So yes. again, that that was uh that was Josh Brown though in that Tennessee game, and obviously you were holding for that. I mean, yeah. you'll ne- you'll never forget. I remember. I remember specifically, I was watching that at home with my grandfather, who's the one that even got me into Carolina football the way that I am. And uh, we were so nervous, we cut the TV off and had the radio on. It was like, I, we can't watch. I can't watch. Yeah. And so then you hear him, he made it, and you cut the TV on, and you watch the replay, and it's by, like, that much. And oh, my gosh. I, mean, I, I want to just – yeah. The ball was, the ball was kind of <laughs> doing one of these, too. I mean, I remember yeah. – I thought it was. I thought it was clearly good. That's why you. You're well, watching that's, this video. Yeah, and you guys are. I wanted to ask you. You guys are celebrating the second, basically, his foot hit leather, and I'm like, they knew a lot sooner than everybody else did. Well, yeah, and that, and that's scary because <laughs> I started jumping around thinking, you know, you see it go through the goalpost. Right. I mean, you can see from our angle, hey, it's right. going through the goalpost. Um, I thought he hit it really good, and he did hit it good. Yeah. But um, you know, we were jumping around. There's pictures of me three foot off the ground when the ball's halfway there. And then after the game, someone was like, Hey man, that ball like literally went over by like six inches. I mean, we were, we were already hugging each other. It was, uh, but that was awesome. That was such a good going to Tennessee and do that. was just yeah. special. That just, just had to be meant to be. There's no way the football gods could be that cruel and no, have you no. look like a complete hey, idiot. On national team next year, though. Yeah. 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 Now I was going to say, but I mean, obviously again, that was a huge win, huge moment again that you were a part of. And I, that kind of, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about that relationship between long snapper holder and kicker, because again, I, and we've seen it at South Carolina over the past couple of years when the Gamecocks had to replace basically all three guys or two of the three. And there's definitely a chemistry, like no question that that's a, that is a, again, a very underrated operation having those yeah. three guys all on the same yeah. page. Yeah. You become yeah, so, you know, all five of my brothers, you know, Johnny and Kyle played at Florida, Chaz and Clayton played at Auburn, and they all either snapped or held. So all, all of us did it, and all of us are part of a, like, a group of people while we were there. But it's a, um, it is. You have to practice so much to have the chemistry, the timing down. Um, and you got to think after, you know, you do, we, usually we start practice by doing kicking for 10 minutes. Then you've got another two hours of practice where they don't really need you. So we're heading over to the stadium. We're kicking in the stadium. We're, we're just doing things to try to get our chemistry um, in line. So with Josh Brown, with Scott, I mean, I'm still really good friends with them. Suck up, still good friends. Don't talk to him as much. He's busy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, very, very great relationship. All of college, you know, we went out together. We went to five points together. We <laughs> hung out at the apartments together. You know, we did everything together. That's just kind of who we were. So we, so we all trusted each other, just that, that trust that we built. Yeah, and I was going to say, you live for moments like the one at Tennessee. It's just, yeah. it's just funny oh. with the specialists. It's either all the glory or, or none yes. of it. I mean, you're, you're yes. you know, I mean, that's, you know, it all comes down to you in, in, that, uh, in that scenario. But, again, the rest of that 05 season, I mean, I'll just get your overall take. Being a part of that, again, what Coach Spurrier, you know, yeah. was building. And we all know 03, 04 was kind of a rough end, if you will, yeah. of the Holtz era. But getting, getting the Spurrier era started off in that way – I mean, again, that, that had to just be awesome being along for the ride and seeing the team it do was. what they did and, you know, being a part of that team that accomplished so many firsts just even in that first year. It was. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, the, just, the, just the vibe, the stadium, the, the energy that year um, was just special. And, 
And, you know, again, you're playing for a legendary coach. I know South Carolina fans got used to having Spurrier there, but, you know, when that, when that whole thing started out, that was, you know, we had one of the best coaches of all time mm-hmm. on the field following Lou Holtz there, and it was, uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. No, for sure. So I, I want to move into the 06 season, and yeah. I hate to even bring it up, but you brought it up off air, so I cannot. And, again, I know it was a huge game for you, but that 06 Florida game, and I, and I still tell people to this day, you know, maybe it's it's biased because those first couple of Spurrier teams, I became probably a diehard fan when I was 11 or 12 in, like, 2002, beginning of 03. Yeah. So, like, those first couple of Spurrier teams, and I think for a lot of Gamecock fans, too, really hold a special place. You know, you, there's yeah. so many names from those teams yeah. that you can just rattle off great players. But, and again, so maybe it's that bias coming out. But I still almost say to this day, that 06 Florida game, that's probably the best I've ever seen a South Carolina team play and lose. I mean, really, yeah. that was an incredible game. And you think yeah. of that Florida team won the national title, but uh, you know you were on the field that that final that final kick. Ryan Suckup goes out there, and we all feel good. I mean, Suckup, like you said, he's still doing it. Nailing bombs. Um, yeah. Jarvis Moss, who by the way should not have even been playing, should have been suspended. He blocks the kick, and I think he had blocked one earlier, right, an extra point or something. Yeah, Maybe yeah. It was another they, field they goal. had already blocked a field goal and an extra point yeah. prior yeah. to the last kick. So we go out on the field and. Uh, Urban called a timeout, and uh, so and then Spurrier said, "Hey, you guys stay on the field. You guys don't come over." So we just sat there, and we you know we had a minute and a half to talk. A stadium was just shaking, and we just sat on the field. We're like, "Suck up!" Like, "I'm good. I'm good. I'm good." Scott, perfect snap. I got. I kind of mentioned this year. I got my cousin plays for Florida. I got all these friends at Florida that are on the team there. And I know this is going to be the biggest play of South Carolina history if we can knock them out of the national championship. And, and sure enough, I mean, Suckup would still say today, I hit it perfect. I mean, and the ball was just – Jarvis Moss's arm was – he was a whole arm over everyone else on the team, and he caught it on his fingertips. But I can remember the second that ball was kicked, I heard the crowd just go crazy. And, and that was it. I had everyone jumping in my face that I knew and laughing and running around. And we were just like, man, that was – that was it. I mean, yeah. but that's probably, I mean, shoot, you, you look back at, at, for Florida, that's that's the best play they've had in 20 years. I mean, that that would go down as the best play in their history. They went on to win the championship that year. So, yeah. man, that was, uh, that one hurt, though. That was yeah. a oh, I mean, big old play. That was the first, I think that was the first time I ever cried watching a South Carolina football. That might be the last yeah. time I've ever cried watching a South Carolina football game. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I honestly. Mean, if, I say, if I say down here in Orlando, if I say, hey, yeah, I was, Someone said you played. I'm like, yeah, I held the field. They're like, oh six. I'm like, yeah. They're like, dang, <laughs> yeah. that was the play for us. Yeah. So yeah, and I was gonna kind of just ask you again because it just sounds like it was just Jarvis Moss just made a play. It wasn't anything that that we did. That I mean, yeah. just you can't really do anything. No, it was I mean, it was a perfectly hit kick. Suck up said he made it by ten yards. Jarvis Moss just, I mean, and it wasn't gonna be a low kick. I mean, it wasn't yeah. a low kick either. He just was that high above everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there was like some BS non-call on a pass interference. I, I don't know, just the, the home yeah. cooking in Gainesville that, that got us that. I night. know, I know. Yeah, the home cooking for sure. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about holding for suck up, man, because again, like you said, you just, you still have a relationship with him, and I mean, we see yeah. what he's doing in the league, just hitting bombs. Yeah. The dude's leg is a cannon. I mean, talk about that. I mean, because again, he hit that big one against Clemson too, but you know, yeah. suck up was a guy. I think he might still have like the longest field goal hit in school history, maybe. I, I don't. I know he he hit some bombs. That's all I know. Yeah. He hit some long ones. I can remember. Yeah, I can remember warming up at Arkansas. So at Arkansas, it's real windy. Yeah. I, it was only one time we played there. We played at Little Rock actually early on in my career. Then we played at Fayetteville. But I can remember him hitting seventy-five yard field goals pre-Arkansas game. Now, when you got the ball up in the air there, right. the ball traveled. But we were we were right where they were doing their warmups pregame. But Suckup was a. Um, Probably more than anyone, he was just, he was a perfectionist. I mean, still is, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, he was more, you take a group of rowdy specialists, you know, <laughs> that was me and a few of the other guys out there. And then you had Suckup, who was a little more laser focused. And, and I'm sure that's why he is still in the league this many years later and had such a great career. But, I mean, it was all about reps. I mean, just, and when he missed one, I mean, it, it, it bothered him. I mean, he couldn't move on past missing that one. So he'd go out the next, you know, the next week we'd kick 300 field goals instead of a hundred because there was one that hit the goalpost. So he was, that's why he's so good. I mean, just, just a perfectionist, great person. I mean, you can't, you can't beat him, but he's, um, uh, I've been super pumped watching him and 
seen how uh, successful he's been. And I was going to say, he did, he didn't miss very many. He doesn't miss no. very many, period. No, um, no. Again, I, I wanted to get you to expand on that 2006, uh, that Clemson game. I mean, because I think a lot of people, maybe some, forget about that one. They, they think of Jad Dean missing. They don't remember Ryan Suckup making, which it was a really yeah. long one. That was a big kick. Um, big and again, kick. you can expand on that game and just, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you're holding for your guy to take the lead and you watch their guy miss. And I mean, the celebration yeah. is on. Yeah, so that was that was um, so I locally here. My my high school rival was was Will Proctor, so he was a quarterback oh, at Trinity okay. Prep. I was quarterback at First Academy, and um, so we, uh, yeah, I mean they they had our number the previous years, and and I you know you're always kind of hoping that it comes down where you have a chance to be involved in, in, in a play late in the game that you know to make a difference and kind of be remembered in history. And it was just one of those uh, shoot it came down to it and. Again, Suckup was always very confident, just like the Florida game. You know, he's going to make the field goal. And um, and I can remember just when that thing went in, knowing that we just beat Clemson. Mm. And, you know, everyone used to always talk. Then the whole Jad Dean miss was real hot in everyone's mind. So everyone's like, man, you know, that's the last time when he made that, you know, when he missed that field goal. So it was a uh, – but that was, that was probably top one or two plays from my experience there at South Carolina. For sure. You know, it's funny. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, nobody knows <clears> – nobody really knows who the long snapper or the holder is until you mess up. Did, did you have any yeah. memorable mess-ups? Because I don't remember them, but did you – You know what like, I did? You're going you're gonna to remember this. So, I, uh, I I never snapped – I never had a bad snap that got past the, the, the punter. Um, Virginia, my second game ever, I uh, their, their punt returner faked – he faked. It was a Higgins or whatever. He faked right. like he was catching a uh, um, a punt to let it bounce over his head. Well, I've never seen someone do that. I, mean, I, I snapped as like a sophomore in high school. So right. I'm running down the field. I, I get past my front guy, and he does a little fake, and the ball's still probably 30 foot in the air. And I just, boom, <laughs> I hit him. I hit him, and I can remember the ball coming down about two or three seconds later. And it was, I think it was DeAndre Island comes up to me, and he's like, Ike. He's like, man, what the heck you doing? I said, and now the whole crowd was like, oh. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing, man? I said, I thought he caught the ball. And then I got a great picture at the house of uh, that someone took there. Lou Holtz met me out in the hash, and he's got both hands on my face mask. Um, so actually sits in my parents' house. They've got a big game room. So that was a, uh, that's a really great picture, but after a pretty uh, embarrassing moment. I'm about to say you 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 got to look forward to that though as a long snapper getting down there just laying somebody out. That's, that's oh, like yeah, a, yeah. a badge of honor, you know what I mean? Like getting to go down there and make the tackle. I mean, loved it. I that, that was I mean, I like to put up. I don't know what other snappers, man. I feel like I had a lot of tackles. I mean, going down there, especially on those rugby kicks. If someone did grab it, I'm right there. They can only make one move, and you know, usually a leg tackle. But there's nothing better than running full speed, and someone's about to catch the ball five feet in front of you, and 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 you're you got a chance to lay them out. Yeah. I was actually going to say, I've got the stats pulled up here. Like uh, 10 total tackles for your career. There you so, go. It's not bad. Hey, four in 2004. It's not bad. It's not bad yeah. at all. Getting in yeah. on that. So, um, I, I want to ask you about, because again, it sounds like you're definitely a guy that, again, proud Gamecock alum. You, you at least keep yeah. an eye on South Carolina football. And I know Shane Beamer got there, I think, right after you left. But yeah. I'm definitely curious to get your take on Shane because he is a big special teams guy. I mean, we need yeah. no – you know, you don't need any background to know Beamer ball. That's that's a thing, right? He's a yeah. team's guru uh, in his own right. But I, I'd love to just get your thoughts overall on South Carolina's hiring of Shane Beamer, um, yeah. just kind of where the program is right now. You know, again, I, I'm not sure just quite how closely you keep up with it or Shane Beamer at all. But, again, yeah. I know he was – I'm sure you played with guys that, that know Coach Beamer pretty well. Yeah, I did. And he recruited my brother Kyle, um, who played at Florida. <laughs> so, Kyle went up there to visit with him. Mm -hmm. um i stayed a year after was beamer's first year was it 07 07 yeah, so it was immediately okay. after you yeah so yeah so i stayed around 07 and was recruiting uh because my scholarship went for five years and i hadn't graduated yet so i stayed and helped with recruiting mm -hmm. and so you know i got fairly close with shane i think what beamer's gonna do and and i think a lot of teams are going this way is um i think it's more that ceo mentality um mm -hmm. You know, you look at recruiting now, you look at Clemson, you look at these schools. I mean, you know, you sit there and listen to what's happening. It's, you know, everyone's bought into their program. People have bought into, the parents buy into it, the kids buy into it. I think that it's a, um, 
I think it's a super strong move, especially if he's able to delegate out a, a offense defense um, and, and kind of act as that CEO. And um, because I mean, we all know how, how important recruiting is. Oh, yeah. And, and I kind of think that from a family man, like he is, you know, you see him with young kids, young wife, that's attractive for, mm-hmm. for, for young athletes and young athletes, parents that are the same age as Shane um, to go play for someone like that and kind of be a part of something like that. For sure. I, I want to switch gears a little bit again, because again, you're, you're a, a proud line of specialists at South Carolina. And I, yeah. I'm just curious, it had, have you kept an eye on some of the guys that have come through? Because again, you think Elliot Fry, all-time points leader, yeah. uh, Parker White might break it. Um, I think Spencer Lanning, who got popular for all the wrong reasons for getting his face kicked in in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just... It's it's funny. Like South Carolina's had a really good run of punters and kickers. It seems like I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what it is. We just it's uh yeah. No, I don't. I, I keep up with Spencer. Um, Charles Turner was a snapper after I left. Um, you know Elliot Fry. I think if I recall was number twenty nine. Yeah. So yeah. and I and I was number yeah. twenty nine. So yeah. people used to take pictures of him, and he's a lot smaller than me. I think a lot smaller. <laughs> people used to take people, people used to take pictures of him and send them to me and be like, "Dude, this is exactly what you look like out there as a snapper." Yikes. I was like, "Man, he's a kicker. Come on." <laughs> <clears throat> just just kickers, specialists in general, they're athletes. They just put some respect yeah. on on the name for sure. That's it. Um, yeah, exactly. Ike, you've been great, man. I, before I get you out of here, one last thing, really quickly. I, I just curious. When you look back on your career at South Carolina, favorite moments, favorite memories, and maybe any funny stories you had. I'm sure spending time along Coach Spurrier, there's got to be some uh, – which maybe you didn't quite catch the wrath that others caught from him. Because, again, I've been fortunate. I mean, heck, I just had your, your former teammate Chris Smelly on the show. I mean, hearing those guys and the way Spurrier ripped them, I think maybe you didn't quite feel that wrath. But maybe you laughed at some other's expense. I don't know. Yeah, I got – so so I got – so with Holtz, I mean, when I think back at times with Holtz um, – you know, we used to, at the end of practice, we used to all get, he, he'd always bring his golf cart out and right. he'd have a golf, he'd have a golf club in his golf cart. He had like a pitching wedge. <laughs> so we'd all, so he'd all, he'd say, this happened probably four or five times. He'd get us all together and he'd say, okay, take two, two balls out of his pocket, toss them on the ground. There's, there was a, a set of like aluminum bleachers about a hundred yards away. And he was serious. He said, Hey, if I hit the bleachers, I get two shots. If I hit the bleachers, you guys all go in, shower up and go to dinner. Or no, if I don't hit him, you guys shower up, go to dinner. If I hit him, we're running 20, 100-yard dashes. So we can, we can all get behind him. I think he just liked the competition of that. We'd all get behind him, and, you know, he'd either hit him and say, on the line, or he wouldn't, and everyone would run away cheering, and we head over the locker room. So that was always funny with him. And then, you know, we had a lot of other good times. Just, you know, again, specialists, we'd always head over to the stadium. And, you know, we'd play, you know, flag football or we play these games you know i mean there's not only so much as a kid there that you can really focus you know you start screwing around when you're given a chance to screw around there were some times where you know holtz had to come over and do something and came out on the field and three or four of us were out there you know either throwing balls from the upper deck trying to land them in trash cans or something like that and he'd come he'd hit the brakes you know he'd go crazy he'd announce it after practice but those were all just those were all just fun you know fun things to look back on i mean they weren't necessarily fun at the time but just you know, I wouldn't have changed the whole, my whole career in South Carolina. I wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, I promote the school anytime I can and just yeah. such a great place. Well, I'm curious with the Holtz, with the wedge thing, did he more often hit it or miss? Um, more often missed. Really? So That's think, yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 So I think, I think he would do it when he wanted us not to run at the end of practice. <laughs> right. It was kind of one of those things like, Hey, <clears throat> I'm going to let you guys go in. But if I can hit a set of bleachers from hundred yards out, we're all getting on the line. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Spurrier plays a little too much golf. To do. He, he'd probably yeah. hit him. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Spurrier's yeah. playing a lot of golf, um, for sure. Well, Ike, man, this has been a pleasure. It's been a great time, obviously, reliving some, a lot of the great memories, again, from your time at South Carolina. I know I speak for uh, for all Gamecock fans. Again, man, it, it's a pleasure to watch you guys do what you did, and especially, again, I mean, you were right there in the middle of some of the most memorable moments, especially yeah. from the beginning of that Spurrier era, man. So, really uh, – Really appreciate you taking the time. Let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Awesome. Sounds good, Chris. Absolutely. He's Ike Crowfoot. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nada Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.